Hey guys, welcome to the Now Rise Business Podcast, where we give you practical tools to take your business life to the next level. All right, well, welcome everybody. I'm Gus Kuzalegi. The title of this presentation is Perfect Your Business Approach to Reach Success. And I want to be clear that there's no magic bullet. There's no such thing as just making some adjustments, tweaking it, and there's your success. There's no magic formula. What it is, is an ongoing adjustment or a series of adjustments that respond to things that happen. So as we go through this, keep in mind the type of business that you're in, keep in mind the kind of category that you belong to, the type of product or service that you are selling or promoting. And so what I'm gonna try to do is whether you're just an entrepreneur who's thinking about doing something or whether it's someone, uh, you're someone who has been doing this for a long time, my goal is to give you the kind of information that you'll be able to use regardless of your level of experience. If you're more experienced in some of these things uh, you may have seen before, it's okay. If this is a good checklist and may also be a thought starter for you. If you are someone who's been in, in the business for a few years, maybe this is a way to add additional things to your process that you may have overlooked. And if you're th someone who's thinking about starting something, this would be valuable as well because now you know how to outline your plan. All right, so the big question is, why do we even wanna bother? Well, because I've noticed that there are two kinds of, of business owners. Uh, there are those who are working the business and there are those who are running the business. Uh, at first glance, these terms sound interchangeable and, and oftentimes people don't know the difference. Working the business relates more to dealing with the kinds of things that are uh, immediate, important, the kinds of things that keep the lights on, that keeps the revenue flowing you know, working the, the logistics of the business, the everyday tasks. While running the business takes place at a different level, it's more, uh, it, 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 they call it higher level thinking, but in reality, I would, I would prefer to call it complementary thinking. This is not about uh, getting lost in all the details of the day-to-day, -day, but instead understanding what the environment is doing to you and to those around you and to understand how that will have an impact on the business, everything else will follow from there. So, you know, one of the, the things that we see time and time again is that because people are so busy working the business, uh, that they are often distracted and, uh, you know, they, they are kept from doing something that is really uh, necessary. This higher level thinking is something that needs to be part of your routine as much as your everyday actions are. So another reason that this is uh, important to think about is because you know, life in general is fluid and we, we hear this all the time, you know, the only constant is change. Well, it's true, uh, but sometimes the change happens um, in, in ways that you don't really notice it. So only by looking back can you see how much things may have changed in a five-year period and you became part of that change without even knowing it. Now there's, uh, other types of change out there that are less subtle, and, and those are the ones that we tend to focus on. But we have to be aware that change is a constant, and change in general makes people feel uncomfortable. Uh, we we often choose to to bury our heads a little bit and keep going as it is, because once we reach a, especially if we reach a level of comfort in our business, uh, we want to stay there because it feels good. And changing anything, we're afraid that it may disrupt the flow of things, that it may hurt us somehow, 
so we tend to, to stick to what we know and what seems to work, which is fine, but that also has a lifespan. So some of those changes that make people uncomfortable are part of what's necessary in order for you to stay on top of what's changed around you. So uh, what happens when you bury your head and you ignore some of the, of the activity or the evolution of your environment is that things are not gonna stop changing just because you don't like the change. Things will continue to change all around you. What's gonna make a difference is how soon you are willing to acknowledge that you need to make adjustments. All right. So what happens when you deal with uh, this level of change is that it will require that you keep a close eye on, on the pulse of the market and the target audience. Uh, so basically your, your region, the people within the region that you're serving, uh, but also within your product or service category and the sector that you belong to. So it's, it's really keeping an eye on every moving part all around you to see how it may impact you. And one, one thing that most businesses have in one way or another is a goal, right? We talk about you know, your, your goals and it's usually reflected in terms of revenue or, or money, but there's usually some kind of a dollar sign next to it. But there's a lot of different ways to, uh, to set a goal for a business. And a quantifiable goal means that basically there's some kind of a number attached to it. So when you actually decide on setting a goal for your business, make sure it's something that you can actually match against some form of metric, whether it's uh, volume or an amount sales, uh, but something that has a number, a percentage of uh, increase or whatever it may be. Uh, so what I'd like you to do is take just 30 seconds and write down what you think in your current situation, where you are today, what your business's quantifiable goal is. And that could be a goal for the next year, for five years, maybe the next quarter, whatever it is. Go ahead and, and write down what the quantifiable goal is in terms of, it could be a percentage, it could be an amount, uh, but some kind of a number that you can refer back to. So take a couple of minutes. So one, one question I would ask you, now that you wrote it down, don't change it, leave it as is. We'll come back to it later. This is just so we have something to work with, okay? So by now, you should have some kind of a number attached to your goal for your business. And you're defining the time frame, and you're defining what that goal is. So it's entirely up to you. My first question is, how did you arrive at that number? How did you arrive at the conclusion of what that goal should be? What's it based on? Okay. Go ahead and, and write down underneath what you based that figure on. What was your, your reason for selecting that number, whatever that number is. Okay. So now you should have not just your quantifiable goal, but what you based it on and how you arrived at that number. All right. So when you, we'll come back to that later, but when you take a look at uh, uh, your success and you're trying to define how things are going as you go, uh, you should ask yourself, what are the metrics that I need to use in order to define the success? What does it look like? So depending on the type of business that you're in, whether it's a service business or a product type of business, uh, you know, you might be defining it by the number of customers that you 
acquired. So uh, acquisition or incremental uh, customer base. You know, that's, that's, a, that's a metric. Uh, it could, again, be sales volume. It could be the number of employees. You know, it could be that you've increased the number of product offerings uh, or you have more variety, more SKUs for, for retail, things of that nature. Or it could even be the footprint, which means that your, your area of uh, your service area has expanded geographically. So those are all ways of, of looking at success and defining success. Now, there are also, uh, there's also some, some pitfalls that I think we, we need to address. And the, and the reason that you wanna have these metrics in place is because oftentimes, and I think we all suffer uh, from this from time to time, it's a little bit of wishful thinking. And wishful thinking is not enough. You know, this whole idea that if you build it, they will come. It's a flawed approach because even when you have uh, an outstanding product and you seem to have everything going for yourself, there are a lot of other variables that, unless you're looking at them, could put you in a position where there's a lot more wishful thinking driving that, that customer volume than, than actual numbers or research behind it. Now, I have seen this. I've seen this with a lot of different businesses. I've seen it with people that I know personally, uh, relatives and friends, where they had amazing products or amazing services, but the business didn't do so well. And part of it was because there were maybe two or three little variables that they failed to look at in terms of who their target audience was, how their perceptions and attitudes and behaviors had shifted over time, and how they really missed an opportunity to, to shift with the market. So that's part of the, the reason that this is, this is important. Now, other things that you keep in mind is uh, the end goal. We talked about the business goal, right? That's one, one number, that's a set of metrics. But the end goal is a little different. The end goal is the idea that you have a business that has a life cycle. It has a beginning and it has an end. Uh, a lot of business owners, uh, you know, small family businesses tend to do this a lot. They, they just kind of go day to day, uh, there is no, no exit plan. It's the, the plan is to keep the business going as long as possible, which is a plan, but it's, it doesn't really give you a timeline in which to do things. By establishing what the end goal is, it's a lot easier to, to be able to plan things in time blocks. So, you know, for example, when you take a look at the lifespan of your business, uh, are you also taking a look at the lifespan of the category? Because it's not just your business that, that you have to worry about. Is, is the category growing, expanding, shrinking? Is it dying? You know, when, when does it end? Is there a projected end date? And what part of the life cycle are you, are you riding right now? Now, you also want to know how long do you intend to hold the business for? 5, 10, 15 years. You know, uh, is, are, you in a, are you trying as part of your and goals to just maintain for that time frame? Are you trying to uh, sell it over time, sell it in pieces, retire, or hand it over to somebody? You know, that's, those are all things to, uh, to think about. You know, there's, uh, you may be passing it on to partners, you may be passing it on to family when you're done with it, or you may even decide that after 10 or 15 years, you just wanna shut it down and liquidate everything and go on vacation, and that's the end of the business. Now, Regardless of what the end game is, the reason that you have an end game is because you can work backwards and now you have a timeline that's going to 
reflect whether your goals are even achievable within the time frame that you've outlined. So you're kind of working it backwards to make sure that the goals are also a, uh, uh, attainable and that you're not uh, pushing beyond what the, what the market can produce and what your category can offer. So, you know, the, the whole concept of nothing lives forever, uh, which really applies uh, slightly differently to, to the categories, but still something to keep in mind. The category itself, the category that you belong to can change uh, sometimes very suddenly, and it can impact the, your, your revenue or, or your growth potential short-term, long-term. I mean, we saw a lot of that. So again, you know, COVID is a great example of what happens when something takes place overnight and changes everything. Airlines, um, cruise ships, they were all affected overnight. It was, they were paralyzed. And so things do happen. You know, the, the lockdowns shut down everybody. Uh, but aside from that, you have uh, categories that are either going through a transitional period and they're evolving. They're not disappearing, they're just changing. Other categories that are slowly dying out or facing out. So you need to know where you belong and what, what part of that life cycle you belong to. Okay. So I'm going to give you a story about, uh, uh, this is an extreme case. I understand that, but I think it does a good job. And this is actually a, a true story. There's a, a little typewriter sales and repair shop. Uh, it still says that on the, on the old sign because it's a really old sign. Uh, and as you can imagine, there was a time in which this business was thriving because they sold typewriters. And I'm talking about traditional typewriters. There was nothing to plug in. And you know, they were fixing typewriters, selling parts, doing all kinds of stuff. They were fairly busy because everyone had a typewriter. Well, as things moved on to electronic typewriters, his business and his category began to evolve because now he's fixing older machines that people want to keep alive. Now, this man had a passion for these uh, office machines and tools, and he didn't want to give it up, but he knew that it was a dying category. Over time, he discovered that he could still continue to do the work that he loved doing, but that his category had completely shifted. He was no longer uh, dealing with local offices and, and people who had uh, you know, a, a broken typewriter that they needed for, for work or home. He was now dealing with people who collected antiques and who were into the refurbishing category. So he continued to do the same thing he always did, fixing these things, but now he belonged to a different category. Now he had a completely different kind of clientele, a different target audience that he needed to go after. His geography was now different because it was no longer serving people within a five mile radius of his office. He was serving people across the country because there weren't that many experts on how to fix old typewriters, obviously, because that business had virtually disappeared. Now that's an extreme case of how someone could evolve from one category to the next. Uh, it doesn't happen all the time. I don't think vacuum repair shops have done as well as uh, typewriter uh, repair shops. But uh, anyway, so that's just something that you could you could see happening uh, to a lesser degree in other categories, but it is still happening. So now your territory and your audience, they're going to come hand in hand. How well do you know the territory and the audience? Do you understand what that radius is? You heard me mention that a minute ago. Your radius is your service area where you're located. You know, depending on the kind of business that you run, 
you have an area that is the, the area you should worry about. You know, don't expect to have an impact on places that have nothing to do with you. That you, you, are, you wanna focus on owning your territory or doing as best as you can within the areas that you can impact. So if you have a small retail shop of some kind, and you know that 95% of your customers are coming from within a two mile radius, you can effectively say that that is your radius, two miles, you know, a four mile circle. And it's okay because now you know what the territory is. Now you can analyze the territory. Now you can get to learn it and you can see how it's changing. And at least you now know what to focus on. All right. So some of the things that this allows you to do is after you become familiar with it, is it allows you to see if you have a certain degree of success in your business model, whether transferring that same business model to another location uh, would be even doable. Is it scalable? Is it expandable? And is it about expanding your current geography or is it finding similar traits somewhere else and creating a whole nother the two or three mile uh, service area for a subsidiary or secondary location. So things of that nature uh, come out of your territory analysis, okay? So, but aside from just understanding some of the, the kinds of you know, information that is already out there, uh, syndicated information like demographics, you know, data population, all this is census based. And a lot of this is available out there. You just go online and you should be able to get census tract data. But aside from that, uh, a question that I would ask you at least once a year is, when was the last time that you had a conversation with members of your target audience in a structured way? And when I mean a conversation, I mean literally a, a conversation that is set up so that everyone that you speak with is hearing the same questions uh, and all the people that you're talking to have similar traits so they all belong to a certain segment so you basically recruit them and talk to them and this is an opportunity for you to kind of dig deeper into what they're thinking and what they're feeling so this is not something that happens all that often uh, and a lot of businesses don't think about this uh yeah this falls in the realm of uh qualitative research which i will explain but the trick to doing something like this is how you structure it and how you structure it up front so that it's most beneficial to you. The reason that you want to talk to other people and the reason you want to do it in a structured way and conduct this kind of research is because it's there's something to be said about falling in love with your own product. It happens all the time. And I think that as business owners, I mean, if you're not passionate about what you do, you might be in the wrong business. But I think most business owners are in love with what they do and in love with their with their products, so it's not uncommon, but that could also be uh, a little dangerous because when you're falling in love with your own product too much, uh, you have the passion component, which is good because it drives you and keeps you going. But sometimes you choose to not look at certain facts because they're, it's not what you wanna hear. It's kind of inconvenient and you would rather just kind of will it to happen because as a business owner, you know, we, we can do anything we're bulletproof watch this kind of a thing so uh which is true otherwise you wouldn't be where you are but uh it's best sometimes to talk to other people and and see what they what they perceive uh you don't want to run the risk of shaping the reality around you and 
kind of creating your own, defining your own reality, and then living by that reality. That's, that's a risk when you're too involved or too in love with your own product. So where do we begin? All right. First, you have to be comfortable with taking a, a cold, hard, and very pragmatic view at your business. And you want to pretend that you're on the outside, you know, from the outside looking in. You know, if that were the case, what do you think you would see? If you were a tourist, you know, how would you describe yourself if you're on the outside looking in? Uh, and it's okay to be critical. It's not an insult. It, see it as an opportunity. There's going to be things you'll like. There's things you, you don't like. I think you're going to get more out of the critical uh, items than the things that, you know, where you may be agreeing with yourself. But it's okay. It's okay to be as critical as possible. Now, so the first step in all this is called situational analysis, okay? And I don't want to lose you on a bunch of business English and complicated terms. Because situational analysis, basically, is just a really fancy way of saying that, you know, where do we stand right now? Um, what's happening with us as a business, okay? So this first part of your, of your planning uh, is about understanding what has happened to, to the business in the last, uh, however you're, you're looking at it, uh, whether you're looking at it quarterly, yearly, in the, in the five-year period, uh, what, what has happened to the product in the industry, what has happened to the service area or the region, what has happened to sales of volume and revenue, and then what has happened to that internal structure? What, what, how, how has it evolved? Uh, more or less employees, uh, more or less demands on, uh, on the business, uh, maybe there's, uh, there's a need to improve certain processes, or maybe technology is pushing you in a certain direction. Uh, sometimes uh, when it comes to improving processes and incorporating more technology, uh, these are things where you often don't have a choice. These are going to come from customers. In some cases, they may even come from vendors who have a, an updated process that you need to be uh, in line with. And, but a lot of pressure can come from customers unexpected. So another area that a, a lot of people look at, but more casually than perhaps than they should, is uh, the biggest resource that they have, which is their employees. So if you have employees, you know, the people that work with you are you know, probably the, the greatest asset you have, because these are not just people that allow you to keep the doors open and, and keep things moving day to day. They they are a group of people that require attention on an ongoing basis as well. And you need to uh, also review within that situational analysis, what has happened with your employee environment? Do they need more training? Are they representing the business as they should? They are in many ways, a form of branding for you and your company and, and your company name. So they are important to you. Uh, how are they impacting the customer experience? You know, are they delivering to your customer the way that you would? You know, are they, and in doing so, how is that impacting the brand positively or negatively? Are they good at communicating your, your battle cry or evangelizing your message to others out of the community? You know, uh, there are employees out there who are so proud of the place where they work that they're, they're promoting it every day. You know, are, your, are your employees those kinds of people? And ultimately, if they're doing all these things, are they helping the business grow or are they just coming in, you know, using up space and men hours? So what is, what is really happening with, with this particular part of the, the business? 
So now you may also want to consider other things. You know, like as I mentioned earlier, we have some the economy, politics. Uh, you may want to take a look at supply chain, raw materials, vendor support, again, technology, and the evolution. Uh, something we haven't talked about is the evolution of the competitive environment and the competitive set. You know, so this is another one of those that there's not much you can do about this. This is about competitors coming into your segment um, and how the competitive environment is evolving. Are people in your competitive set spending a lot of money in advertising? Are you up against other people's bigger budgets? Are you up against other people's better product? You know, are there people leading the competitive set or are there more players this year than last year? You know, maybe last year you only competed against three people, now there's 10. Why? You know, is there that much demand? And if there is, why aren't you meeting that demand? So these are all things that come to light when you do this kind of uh, investigative work. This is all part of that uh, background or situational analysis. Another component to situational analysis is this qualitative research I was talking about earlier. There's two kinds of research, there's qualitative and quantitative. So for those of you who are not familiar with, with research, qualitative research deals more with, uh, think of it about quality, the quality of the conversation, the quality of the insights. You're able to, to drill deeper into people's motivations and behaviors uh, because you're having conversations. You know, you're talking to them for an hour or two hours and you, have, you follow uh, a script so you know what you're asking and you're digging deep. In the case of quantitative research, quantitative, like quantity, it's more about numbers. And these are larger scale studies. Surveys are like that. Um, and these are, they tend to be a little more expensive, you know, uh, because you're paying per, per interview or per survey, et cetera. But they do yield projectable data. You may not have the depth that you want, but you can project it. Whereas qualitative is considered directional data. You cannot assume uh, there are percentages attached to those findings. They're just showing you what the, the breadth of insights and, uh, and behaviors can be. It shows you a range. Now, quantitative and qualitative kind of play off each other. They're, they're not mutually exclusive. They're actually symbiotic. Uh, but when you're a business owner and you know, there's not a lot of budget for, for research, the one that you can do uh, within you know, your, your, uh, your budget and, and actually something you might even be able to execute yourself is qualitative research. You know, there's a, because it requires a, a smaller sample size, meaning fewer people that you need to talk to, anywhere between eight and 15 or 16 people, which is better than having to do, you know, 400 surveys. Now, uh, when you talk about qualitative research, there's a, a lot of different ways to do it. You know, but a lot of it involves recruiting participants, respondents who fit a certain, uh, certain criteria. And then you have to host the discussions and then you have to review all the data, process, analyze it and report it. And so examples of this are, for example, focus groups or IDIs, which are in-depth interviews, which are one-on-one -on -one interviews. And then diaries, which is where people are just documenting their activities. And this is all considered qualitative. Again, small number of people. Uh, Examples of quantitative, uh, which by the way, can be achieved over time. If you don't have the budget to give you quantitative uh, metrics, all of them in one shot right away, maybe you, something you can gather over a certain period of time. Just remember that 
data is time sensitive. So whatever you're learning about people today, because things do continue to evolve, if you're going to use that data two years from now, your data is already old. So keep that in mind. You can't stretch it too long. You try to use your data while it's still fresh. Okay. Uh, so quantitative research, it could be things such as surveys. Uh, they do phone surveys or in-person intercepts, which is literally you're intercepting someone coming out of your business and you're conducting a survey right there and then. Um, and then there are online surveys that people fill out, which don't require uh, any kind of a moderator. They can do it on their own. So, but the goal for something quantitative is to have a, a quick survey, something they can answer very quickly, a few questions. And that can give you an idea in terms of percentages where people's mindsets are at. So, okay, so that's two kinds of research. So we talked about all the situational analysis, kind of looking at background, conducting research. All of this is gonna yield a lot of information, right? So now you have stacks of bullet points with insights, uh, data, market breakdowns, demographics, shifts in the economy, all these variables. But that's okay. It, it, it's okay for you to list them. Just the, the, all your findings as a list of bullet points. You can categorize later. What's more important here is the information. Don't worry so much about how it's categorized. Just keep in mind that now you know something you didn't know yesterday. And that's going to affect how you make decisions for your business and how you set your goals. So with all this body of information that now you have in your hands, what do you do with it, right? Well, you take everything you've gathered, everything you've heard, and everything you have, and you take a look at, and see how real were your goals, how realistic were your goals, okay? Because we've talked a lot about gathering information, and by now, just based on some of the additional things that we talked about that you need to look at, by now, if you go back and look at your goals, the one that you set earlier, the quantifiable goal for your business, and the reason for why you set that goal and how you arrived at that goal, see if you feel that there's something missing now. And see if there's something else, one of these variables, or more than one, but the things that we talked about that you may have accidentally left out that you may need to go back and take a look at before you know whether that goal is actually accurate or if you feel that perhaps more um, analysis is required. You know, so take a, take a look at what you wrote earlier. Let's take uh, 30 seconds and see if that number, whatever that number is, seems too high or maybe seems too low. You know, hopefully what I gave you was a good list that triggers some thoughts. I was hoping that as I talk through these points that each one of you can apply it to the specific reality of what you do, what you, this type of product or service that you're involved with. And one thing that you have to keep in mind about this process that I just described, this is a very condensed version of, of what to do. Obviously there's a lot more to this, but I think a lot of these points, if you try to gather this kind of information, you're gonna have a much more actionable plan uh, that is definitely rooted in, in reality or certainly more rooted in facts and reality. But there's one more thing to keep in mind. And uh, Miguel brought this up in, during the introduction is that you have to use this information. This is not the information that it, it sounds good while you're writing it down, but it often ends up in the drawer. You, you have to make it part of your, your plan 
And you also have to keep in mind that this is cyclical. This is not one of those things that you do and don't do again for 10 years. This is something that needs to become part of your planning cycle, just like anything else. Just like when you know taxes are coming up, same thing. You know your, your year is coming up, you need to start doing a plan for the new year and update the information and see what's changed. Maybe not much, or maybe we had a COVID year where everything changed. That's why you have to kind of stay on, on top of it, kind of keep the pulse of the market. All right. So another way to look at it is it's like applying shampoo. You know, you have to apply, rinse, repeat, do it all over again. Think of it in those terms. Think of it, uh, you know, let's, let's, re let's revisit our situational analysis. Let's see where's the last time we talked to our customers. What does our area look like? What does our sector look like? Uh, and then what are some of the other bigger picture items that may have changed around us that are impacting our local, uh, all the local variables. If you want to support the podcast, don't forget to follow us at Now Rise Business on Instagram. And also make sure to go and check out NowRiseAcademy.com where we provide you free courses and very exclusive content for you to grow in your life. Thank you for your time.